Hey, this is Jason A. Hurley, writer of The Beauty, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, love. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, was it though? Because I, it's fine. I already, I've, I've thought if it's if it's good or bad after I do it, and so then I wait to hear if I need to do. It. Sometimes we're in agreement. Sometimes we're not. So I'm ready to do it again if you say so. Hmm. And then there are times where I'm just like, all right, I'll exhale. I said it was the, good. The little banter after the questioning after your woohoo when you're like really was it good it was all right okay that's the equivalent of was it good for you <laughs> so if you gotta ask it probably wasn't <laughs> i'm just saying that's, that's what i'm saying right so but don't don't be confident in your abilities oh i'm, I'm you hit it and now it's asking for more but the thing is if what's I do sometimes doesn't like you'll tell me if I'm breaking up. I don't hear I'm I'm, I'm breaking up. So right. if, no, if I'll I'm definitely asking, tell it's you because I don't know if it was cut short, if it was if it spiked, right. truncated. No, you if, if 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 because I if if I if I move my chair and then there's that little creak mm-hmm. at the end of it, it's like okay, well we got something. That extra. would kind of be cool if you got a little creak in with the woohoo, because then it would be like it would be bounding through the kajunk 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 kajunk, be driven. We should try that an intentional creak during the woohoo. And then, then, then tonight I spun my head real quick. Like, oh, you know, action as pose! As if my, my my hair was flowing through the wind, and then uh, <laughs> your, your mane of hair. <laughs> my, 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 a Dave Mustaine like hair. There you go. He still has nice hair, even he at does, sixty. Yes, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, listen, you know, in the battle between Metallica and Megadeth, at least Dave won the battle of the hair. Yeah, and one could also argue that after a point, Dave's music is better. At least it's more. Um, it, it's not a breach of contract that Metallica made. Like gonna, yeah, everything no, post from the black album up is well. Not I'll I'll leave the black album out because that's that straddles that really fine line between what black was and was what for Injustice for All, right? What no, was that? no, black oh, came after. For All was when they went was when they sold is, is when they went to Geffen, um, Columbia, whatever. But okay. yeah, so Injustice for All was 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 the first mainstream release, and then yeah, and then the black album. Yes, but. And Justice for All is the album that broke them. Because the time changes and the, just the, the, the construction of those pieces of music was so complex and so demanding that they vowed to never do that again. Hence the Black Album, which was more blues-oriented. Even though it had balls to it, it, mm-hmm. it was a very simple blues progression, whereas And Justice for All is like Tales from Topographic Ocean's with uh shredding you know it was it was very very intricate so uh, Lars just said he said we will never ever do that again and that you you can see from every album up they never went down that road again maybe one song on an album but not an entire album it's because it's too hard to play live and now they're bound by it because some of their best songs came from and justice for all Mm -hmm. so you're screwed 
Yeah. Don't experiment I mean, if you're not going to, you know, continue to carry that weight through your entire career. If it, you know, if it gets, if it becomes a hit, you got you got to give people what they want, right? Yep. That's oh, yeah. what, and that's why we're here. That's why I took the words right out of my mouth, man. Yeah, we're here to give you what you want. Hopefully, what you want is eleven o'clock comics, specifically episode six hundred and fifty-nine. I'm Vince B, and I have something. Well, a lot of some things that I was about to abandon coming into this episode. And I'll tell you why I didn't as we get into it. And I'm Vince B. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I guess you're going to tell David A. Price. And that's who I am. And welcome. Yes. Uh, if you haven't noticed already, Jason is not here tonight. He can't, comma, he just can't. So he's taking a uh, a mental mental health day. Mental health day from from recording. He doesn't want to bring all of the uh doom and gloom that he has experienced uh in the early days of this week to y'all. He doesn't want to poop on your parade. So he said, I'm just gonna pull back, I'm not in the right mind frame. Um you guys go do it. And we said, Yeah, we're gonna go do it because this, however many minutes you're going to hear, is designed to be an oasis from all that other stuff. Yes, it's real. Yes, it's it's very much happening, and, and we'll all be affected by it one way or another. But for these however many minutes, hours, don't think about it. Don't think. Think about the comics. And that's why we're here. To make you happy. Yes. Yeah. You know who else makes you happy? On a yes. monthly basis. Well... Or bi weekly basis or weekly basis, depending on what shipping frequency you select. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has everything in the previews catalog that you want at the price you want to pay. For example, the big three for this month from IDW. It's Bermuda number one from John Lehman and some guy named Nick Bradshaw. Um, the preview art is gorgeous. Un- it's not unexpected from Bradshaw to see gorgeous preview art, um, gorgeous art in particular, but it's there. It's $4.99 cover price. And you may say, what? I'm not paying $4.99 for a comic. No, you're not. If you're a discount comic book service subscriber, you are only going to pay $2.49 for this comic. And that, my friends, is half price. From Dark Horse, Neil Gaiman, P. Craig Russell, Mike Mignola, Jerry Ordway, what? Yes, it's a bunch of heavy hitters doing the Norse mythology with Mr. Neil Gaiman. The, uh, it, I guess it's an ongoing. It's what it says in the previews. It's, I mean, and it... Okay, I'm, I'm going to interrupt twice during, during your DCBS intro. Uh, it, it did not... I, I have the Norse, mythology, the Norse mythology hardcover, the prose book on my shelf, and... I've, you know, I, I was getting the American Gods adaptation because the book obviously has an ending. I, I don't know if this is going to be broken up into chapters to coincide with the book or, I mean, yes, it may be ongoing there. There may not, they may not have a, a one of however many issues, but I don't see it going. I don't know if it'll go beyond the, the book he wrote it, it, which is why it wasn't in my previous video, because I think this is something I'd rather wait for the inevitable 
Neil Gaiman Library hardcover version to put on my shelf. Sure. But judging by the book, if they go into the minutiae, the stuff that was hinted at and or overlooked in the book that they could flesh out, realistically, I don't see the series um, stalling anytime soon. They can go 30 plus issues if they wanted to. Sure. Yeah. Uh, It just depends on the complexity of the adaptations and how much of each adaptation you get. I don't think P. Craig Russell is going to draw 18 pages in each issue, right? Not with the level of of delicacy and, and construction he puts into his work. So maybe you're going to get 8 to 10 P. Craig Russell pages, and then you'll get maybe six Ordway or eight Ordway, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gonna, it's going to be like uh, Barry Windsor Smith's Storyteller. I think you're going to get these little chunks of ongoing story that will tell a big picture, but in little tiny um, isolated bursts, which is fine by me, right? Absolutely. Or, yeah. or even the the old classic X-Men where you had the reprint and then the the last back five or eight pages was a, a John Bolton little extra yes. that, that kind of went into something that happened in the issue. Yeah. And the reason why you bought the... Uh, classic X-Men in the first place was because there's an Art Adams cover. Art Adams cover. Yeah. (laughs) Sneaky Marvel. But anyway, um, so yes, uh, Neil Gaiman's North Mythology, a host of of stars on this $3.99 cover price. Your price, $1.99. And last, but certainly not least, from Mad Cave Studios. It's uh, written by Anthony Cleveland with art by the great Antonio Fusso. It is Stargazer, number one of a six-issue miniseries, and it involves conspiracies, alien abductions, uh, a little bit by uh, way of Stand By Me. It looks pretty good, uh, which is why I'm telling you about it. Uh, the cover price is three ninety nine, but you can have it for 45% off, and that's $2.19. Tell me, where are you going to get a regular issue for $2.19? Nowhere. 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 So uh, do yourself a big, big, big service. If you haven't already, check out Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Hit the, uh, there's a specials button up the top. If you hit that, you'll be like, oh my goodness, I'm paying too much for these comics at my regular shop. So I'm coming here because the guys told me about it. Boom. Yes, there you go. Wonderful. Um now I will explain a little bit what I meant coming in. Um, everything I read for this week has a sizable doom and gloom uh, quotient to it. One in particular is um, extremely graphic. Uh, fe- features a, a rampage by a young man with automatic weapons, just killing as many people as he possibly can. Um, it's loaded with uh, misogyny and bloodshed and dismemberment and borderline graphic rape. And <laughs> I thought, and the other things, um, the other one is about a man who uh, just disregarded everything that was good in his life 
to embark on this quest, and he had no idea why he embarked on it in the first place. He was compelled to do it, and everything that he he loved or could have loved just passed him by. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, a lot of darkness, a lot of doom and gloom, and I'm thinking, man, I don't want to be the Casey Kasem. And, and you know, while everything bad is, is going on outside our windows, bringing all this downbeat stuff to the show, and I, I, I told the guys, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even feel like making notes on this stuff because it's just so dark. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to skirt the issue. I love this stuff. And maybe my enthusiasm for it um, will kind of balance the subject matter a little bit. And Because uh, I can't lie. I really enjoyed the stuff I read this week. But it's not happy fun time with little pixies it's it's dark stuff so i kept them and hopefully you'll find some enjoyment in the stuff i'm going to talk about or at least enjoy listening to me squirm and dance around the fact that it's some pretty disgusting stuff uh yeah it's some of them are nasty so um i'm i'm not gonna front i read what i read and i'm gonna tell you what i read Okay. I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to stand. Oh, you want me to do it right now? Might as well start, bro. (sighs) Okay. Well, you know what? I'll start with the worst in terms of severity, and I'll I'll work my way hopefully up because I have an artist spotlight tonight. I haven't done one in a long time, and um, I've been carrying things on my I've read list for maybe two episodes now, and I don't normally do that. If I put it on my, I read this list that David and Jason and I trade on the Slack, I'll usually talk about it. If I don't talk about it, I'll erase it from my list and start with a whole new list. The, the David and Jason, they like to drag stuff. Sometimes Jason's list has like 40 things on it. I'm like, true. dude, prune the bush. Come on. <laughs> but he never seems to do it. And that's why he does those... Um, those quick, quick hits, hits. yeah, yep. just to get rid of a bunch of stuff that he he's has on his list. But anyway, so I'm not in the practice of dragging stuff. These two things that I read by the same uh, creator, I thought were wonderful and worthy of dragging along. So what I did was I reached out to the creator, uh, and we had a little discussion, and I picked his brain on influences and and formative years and all that stuff. So you'll hear some of that later. But anyway, the main uh, thing that I read this week uh, must be at least 700 pages. Mm. Yeah. Well, when I tell you what it is, you'll be like, oh, I get it. Uh, written and drawn by Hiroya Oku. It is the Gantz Omnibus Volume 4. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a bit of an anomaly in the Gantz series so far because uh, to date... And the omnibus, uh, the omnibi contain three volumes per. So you're getting a, a big chunk of, of uh, manga there. Uh, but up until now, it's been K. Corono bouncing back and forth between the game instigated by the big black ball, Gantz, and civilian life. Now, I, I've, I've gone into Gantz before. You know the deal. Uh, a bunch of people died in various circumstances, usually violently. And um, 
Upon passing over, they find themselves in a room with a giant black ball. And the ball demands they play a game. And in the game, they're, they're outfitted with these protective suits and very, very high-powered weaponry. And the deal is you go into the game and you have to rack up as much, as many points as you possibly can. And if you get to 100, cumulatively, you won't get it. Well, you usually don't get 100 points in one game, although it has happened. Um, not in this series, in another one. Uh, so if you, if you rack up 100 points, you are offered... Uh, options you get to either leave the game and go back to life um, uh, actually return to the the land of the living you can heal a deceased uh player because they form bonds in these these games these games are so violent and so um well it's like actual combats like ptsd but forever bonds are formed on the battlefields guys go to you know have gone to afghanistan and, and the like and they come back and n not never knowing each other before they got there and after they they've experienced what they've sh ex shared they're they're bonded forever right that's what happens in war so you know the, the bonds form within the game and and relationships are, are kindled and things happen so if someone comes to an un untimely demise, if you have enough points, you can deign to bring this person back. You lessen your chances of getting out of the game. But feelings, man, if the feelings are there and you actually care for these people, this is the, the thing that the ball makes you decide, right? And there, there are other things you could do with your points. But for the most part, the big two are either get out of the game or, or bring back a loved one or, or a friend. So, um, for the majority of the, the series, Kay Corona has been bouncing back and forth. And you, you saw like little isolated bursts of his civilian life because the battles go on for <laughs> hundreds of pages. They, these things are very long. They'll get into a skirmish. They'll encounter this, this alien that does not look too formidable. And it just so happens that it was a ruse. Like this little midget guy is a super powerhouse and you know, uh, players are dropping left and right and Kay has to find a, a way to, to, to best this thing. And he usually does. And it was cool in the, in the early volumes, he did it without even a protective suit because you can get Superman level damage done to your body. Like you can get punched through 10 buildings dropped from 300 feet. And if you have the protective suit on more often than not, it will keep you alive. It'll probably, malfunction once you absorb the impact but for the most part you won't die hopefully when you're in your moments of distress one of your buds will take out the monster and, and everybody's happy and they get to to live on and whatever but um if the suit malfunctions and or starts leaking that black goo that comes out of it you will die in the game if you die in the game you die you're, you're gone you're dead no second chances unless somebody decides to bring you back so it's it's very paranormal so but anyway i'm getting really um distracted by the the gaunt's commentary so I'll, I'll i'll laser beam anyway we haven't seen much of his civilian life this volume is mostly civilian life uh k lost a bet 
and um, the two guys that instigated the bet said, "If you don't, um, if you don't win this thing, uh, you have to go out with uh, Kojima Tai for two weeks." And I think she's attractive, but I guess among others, uh, she's not. She's very plain. She's she's somewhat flat chested. She's she's unlike the kind of woman that Hiroya Oku champions in this book, let's just say. Mm. Uh, she's also very upstanding, a very sensible girl. So she's everything that um, Kay has not been looking for in a woman. Let's just go there. So, But here's the rub. He's with her the two weeks, and he ends up having feelings for her. Like, what the hell is happening? I think I'm falling in love with this girl. And he decides, all right, this is it. I'm going to win the game. I'm going to get my 100 points. I'm going to come out because she's the one. I have something to live for now. And I went back. I went into Kay's um, past in earlier episodes. If you're really concerned, either read the, the wiki page or go back and listen to it because he had a rough coming up to, abandoned by his parents uh, and the whole nine yards. So um, so he's, he's falling in love with Tay. And uh, that's good. It's also very bad because somebody uses his feelings for Tay against him. And it's this young man named Izumi. And Izumi is, uh, he's the top of the food chain as far as the uh, high school boys go. Very tall, very good looking, very athletic. The girl's just fawn all over him. He's got long black hair. Like he's, he's a, a teen model, um, who just so happens to be very good at sports, right? And Izumi has something working on him. He's not right. Um, he has these vague recollections of being in, the, in this game or this, this, uh, scenario where he was in, uh, Shinjuku and he was shooting people and his adrenaline was high and it was he was alive man and he's, he can't place it he's like where is this from and uh, so in his bedroom one day he finds this little black ball on his dresser and it's it's a Gantz replica a little tiny ball and the ball says bring as many as you want to the room and he's like mm, wait a minute wait 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 I, I think I'm getting it. I think any, any, he, he has a discussion with Kay and he's like, you know something about this. You, you do. I, I see this thing you're wearing under your clothes that, that it's, it's very, it, it reminds me of something, but I, I just can't place it. And he pulls out a gun and boom, he shoots Kay. And of course the bullet does nothing because he's wearing his protective suit. And he's like, I knew it. He goes, all right, you're getting me into that game. By hook or by crook, I'm going back there. And Kay's like, I don't think so, dude. I, 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 it's not happening. And so Izumi's like, okay, if you don't get me into this game, I am going to go to Shinjuku and I am going to shoot the fuck out of the place. I don't care how many people I take with me. I'm going down and I'm getting into that game. And he devises this little plan where... Uh, Kojima goes to the movies with uh, a friend and wouldn't you know it the movie theater is in Shinjuku on the day 
that he takes a boatload of high-powered weaponry. Now, here's where it gets a little dicey. And I'm not going to make excuses for Hiroya Oku. The scenario is a little weird. Um, and, and it may be construed as racist. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know why someone who wanted to die would care about being recognized. But Izumi gets himself in front of a mirror and he uses latex rubber and paint and he changes his appearance. But he changes his appearance to that of an African-American. I don't know if I should read anything into that. I don't know if it was intended by Oku to... But if you are in Japan and you are a six-foot-something African-American, no one is going to think you're Japanese, right? <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I have not been able to understand why uh, Izumi did it, but he did it. So he's this giant black man, and he's on the subway. And this kid, this Japanese kid comes up to me and goes, man, you're gigantic, man. You are buff. What's going on? And, he, and uh, Izumi says, you want to see something cool? Come with me. They get off the train. And he pulls out a gun. And the kid's like, what is that, an air gun? What are you, do, what are you doing? You, you playing a joke? What is that? That's an air gun, right? And he shoots, point blank, this old man in the street. Old man goes down, bleeding from the head. And the kid's like, he's speechless. He doesn't, he's like, what did you just do? So Izumi essentially holds the kid hostage. He's like, you're coming with me. Bang, 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 bang. He kills multitudes of people when the gun runs out of bullets he drops it pulls out an automatic weapon just riddles people uh men women children does not matter to this guy he's just killing like a madman and naturally people start to stampede they're running ah the screams all over and meanwhile uh kojima's there waiting for her friend to go to the movie and she sees the bullets and the people running and she sees a mother on the ground, dead, shot in the head, and a baby carriage next to her. So what does she do? Does she turn around and run and save her own skin? No. She goes over, takes the baby out of the carriage, cradles it, and starts to run. And there's one panel in particular that's hair-raising. She's looking around, and she's got the baby in her arms, in her purse, because of the, the gravity swinging from left to right as she runs, right? The purse is swung up, and the corner of the purse... Is, or the bag is pierced by a bullet, like maybe six to eight inches away from the baby's head. Mm. It's hair raising, right? So anyway, it all comes to a, a head. Um, Kay gets there, confronts Izumi. People are killed. Uh, luckily, the baby and uh, Kojima are saved, right? But not before. Kay pulls out one of the Gantz guns. And there's a delayed reaction with the Gantz guns. I don't know if you know this. You fire it. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't look like it does anything. It has to communicate with the satellite uplink or something. And it, it's not like, you know, an automatic weapon where you pull the trigger and you get satisfaction, right? The gun, you shoot it and nothing happens for X amount of seconds. So he shoots it and uh, Izumi just keeps talking. And all of a sudden his upper body explodes. And his head goes spiraling, plunk, and hits the ground. And his eyes are still open. And he's looking at the, 
the um the the reader and what do you know k and um izumi and a lot of people that were killed in the shinjuku massacre wake up in the gans room with the black ball so now izumi is a con- another contestant in the gans game with k so he k to, or uh, izumi doesn't need him anymore he's like fuck this guy i don't need him anymore i'm gonna win this game and he's and they're in the game later on in, in the the volume and they're fighting dinosaurs and izumi's like i've never felt more alive this is the best didn't care that he had to kill probably a hundred or more people to get there right he's despicable but um so this is why i say it's not exactly the most upbeat of books but oku's line work is just outstanding he's he's amazing his figure work is just breathtaking um and the backgrounds are super super detailed so it's a little there are sometimes like when when the uh people were were screaming and running through shinjuku sometimes the background fights a little bit with the foreground because there's just so many lines like it's it's hard to 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 calm the brain and say wait a minute let me make sense of this there's there's stuff going on everywhere but um such is the price for for detail i guess um but the reason why i say it's uh misogynistic is that there there's a lot there's there's a, a a healthy amount of nudity and sex in the manga itself but the chapter breaks where he titles each chapter more often than not it will be a young woman in the gaunt's protective suit part of the gaunt's protective suit and her her bits are hanging out <laughs> breasts buttocks other things uh so he loves the ladies uh, the buxom ladies so yes if you're looking to for something to talk uh, around the table with your family after sunday dinner this is not the book you're going to use right <laughs> it, 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 i'm not embarrassed to read it i i think th- there's something very compelling about the dark side of of what these people or what some of these people bring to the table but and and i think the art is just beautiful uh so i'm i'm not guilty for re i don't feel guilty for reading it but again it it's not something you're going to you know go into um with a wide variety of 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 art fans right um there's this one guy uh he's he's colossal he he's built like somebody out of street fighter he's huge he's got the 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 cut off the arnie type cut off shirt with the biceps and the muscles hanging out and um he's walking around with the old uh wooden japanese sandals with the two pieces of of uh vertical wood nailed or you know fastened to the horizontal clunk 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 so and he's a country bumpkin he has somewhat of a southern accent if japanese could have southern accents uh and so um he comes to the city and he's like who here can kick my ass and he just picking fights with everybody and winning uh k beats him but anyway so he he sees what's going down in shinjuku and he confronts izumi and izumi blows his legs off he, he's fighting him he's got a, he's got izumi by the throat lifting him up into the air izumi's starting to black out pulls out the gun the only thing he could do because his arms are are just basically dangling by his side is just pulled the trigger and a burst of you know 
bullets come out and just shred this guy's legs and he's still holding on to him and his legs are at these the from the knee down his legs are at these weird angles and he's bleeding and he's dying and he's still holding the guy so he ends up in the game too so it just sets up future storylines with all these odd characters coming together under a very very horrible incident so now you're going into the game with this dark shroud over the events and it's only going to get worse which is why i said not happy field time good you know book but i i I make no bones about it i love it i'm not gonna defend oku's use of of the female form in such a salacious way that's he does what he does i'm i i I don't judge just because the story is so freaking compelling there are things i can ignore about it and the drawing is great right Mm -hmm. but it is there's there's a there's a pretty healthy air of uh misogyny to this thing I, I I got nothing. <laughs> I, you know, um, I I enjoy it. Uh, maybe that says something about me, but um, I don't condone the the events or the approach. But something within all of that speaks to me. Uh, you know, I I gravitate towards the darkness, and this is this is dark. So if you're adventurous, maybe, you know, you want to try Gantz. Uh, but again, be forewarned. There are things in there that you probably haven't seen in in uh, any other uh, piece of sequential work. Mm. Yeah. And if you want to see some of what I'm talking about, you can go to the gallery accompanying this week's episode on 11oclockcomics.com. Click on it. All the pictures come up. You can scroll through them, and you'll see. You'll be like, holy shit, he was not kidding. This is brutal. Jason would be like, bruh. 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 Really? Yeah, really. (laughs) Really, dude. Really. (laughs) Oh, damn. Yeah. You you wouldn't like it, although there is a pup in it, and he's he's pretty crucial in the in the early volumes. <laughs> he's he's a, a source of uh, great levity and joy. Well, as, as they should be. Yes, was I a good boy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker, <sighs> you were the best. So, yeah. um. I was doing some catching up, and um, I finally was assembling um, my DCBS deliveries and, and um, putting things in order, and finally sat down with the last three issues of the four-issue miniseries, The Mask. I pledge allegiance to The Mask. And I don't know if anybody will remember how I read the first issue and... It, it, it's the mask. So, so like Vince with certain things, uh, if, if you're going to tell a story about a, a, a character, a, an idea, a property that I'm a fan of, then, then, um, it's easy for me to come back and try it out. And, um, even if in the back of my mind, I know a, it's not going to be as good as it used to be. Um, or 
to that ship sailed and 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 really why are we trying to go back to something that its time was probably in the past it, it's not like i don't know anybody who's clamoring for the mask to return i don't know if anybody had you know hey i mean this this kind of feels like dark horse owns the property we got to put a comic out because we can't lose um the ip it it Arcudi and and Monkey weren't anywhere near this. Um, this was the the series was written by Christopher Cantwell, uh, art by Patrick Reynolds, uh, colors by Lee Lowridge, letters by Nate Picos of Blambot, and um, it's it's a story that probably could have been told in Dark Horse Presents. I don't know if we needed four issues. Uh, it, it, I'm I'm going to do my damnedest to focus on the positives because there were a few. Um, but overall it, it didn't, it, it didn't have that, that punch that past mask stories had, um, the art is completely different than Maki. It's, it's a little bit more, um, based in, in realism. Uh, Reynolds is, is a talented artist and, and I, I like his look of big head. Um, but sequentially and, and, um, some consistencies that they're, they're not really there throughout. Um, so this, the story's strength is basically, um, the story Cantwell is trying to tell and, and it's the big head is the big head wants to be president and, um, the mask attaches itself to a an underdog, someone who they never thought would have gotten the nomination, uh, let alone be a decent candidate. And um, you know, over the course of of the four issues, um, Stacy, who was Stanley's um, girlfriend in the um, in the original series, uh, she's a um she's uh the mayor of um of edge city and she also she knows that the mask is back and and um there is a there's a connection of um not that it's calling to her but 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 she knows because it exists and um and she still has memories of, of how it felt to wear the mask and, and do uh, the things that allowed her to do. Um, she's not the only person in the story that has a connection to the mask because there's a detective, a detective, former detective uh, from the original run who, um, who's also back, who also got to wear the mask at one point. And, um, and, and people realize that the, the mask needs to be destroyed. And there are, there's a little bit of a backstory throughout the, uh, throughout the four issues where, uh, other people have found the mask and, and they realized that, you know, they, it, it needs to go away. They need to get rid of it. Someone tried to send it to Antarctica and have it just buried deep in the snow. Um, it never made it. To, well, it did actually, it did. Uh, but it was found and 
there's a there's a person in the story who's trying to replicate the mask because he wants to um have that power uh but a 3d printer and the same type of wood that the mask was made from um ain't gonna do it so that was all for naught uh, it 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 ends it, it ends in a way that that kind of makes you think that this is it this this may be the last mask story, at least with the original carved mask. Um, but then it ends with a close up of of the Statue of Liberty, looking an awful lot like Big Head. So it's 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 weird. Part of me just is like, I don't know why this was made. Part of me is like, okay, this is timely because of what's going on in the world and and what led up to the last election, and it makes sense because Big Head is is acting just like. Some other dipshit we're all familiar with right now and and how there's no filter there and 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 says whatever he wants and people react because they think it's great that someone would say these things and degrade women and, and minorities and, and want to build walls and, and, and it's just is is the worst of humanity and, and, and people are cheering at and that's what they want to vote for. And and so it's a lot of it is, is a reflection. So it that also doesn't help this story go down easy. Um but it, it, it does make me happy that the old mask stories um, exist because I can kind of just read those and, and, and have this kind of um, wash away. I, I, there, there's absolutely an audience for this and that's fine. And, and listen, I'm, I'm, it exists. And, and by all means, you know, if, if, if you're, if the old mask was maybe just too campy for you or too out there or too Tex Avery, you know, then, then fine. That maybe, this is a mass story that's that that's more your speed, more to your liking, and that's fine because it's it there's there's more of a reflection in the real world in this series, and I pledge allegiance to the mask than there ever was um in the original stuff. But it's um yeah, I I I was I hoped against hope that that it was going to kind of make me happy to read a mass story again. Uh but in the back of my mind I knew that uh, like I said, you can't go home again. Uh, and this was just missing something, something special, whether it's, whether it was the original creative team or the type of stories that they were telling with the character. Um, cause back then that was, that was true. I mean, you read the original mask or even didn't the mask strikes back. I mean, that's, that's escapism. That's some like, Oh, my mechanic pissed me off. Well, I'm going to go back. And, and, you know, shove an engine block through his nose. And, and, you know, and, and that's something Big Head could do. This was just, this was a little bit too, um, a little too on the nose, a little, little too close to home, a little, um, I, it, it didn't distance itself enough for me. I, I, I read comics to escape. And, and there, yes, I mean, a character like Big Head isn't something that's, really out there but but obviously something a character like big head doesn't need to exist for us to know someone like big head is is actually really out there and um i'm 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 really coming down hard on this and that's only because i love the original mask and 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 i love that character and i love maki's art and, and the way he brought him to life and um 
our cootie story were funny in parts and and um it was revenge porn and it was great and uh, you want to see the little guy get his or, or you know make, make sure he gets his revenge unfortunately the little guy is going crazy because of um the mask isn't a good thing but this was um this was hard to take in spots and and um and, and you know, i'll own it that that's me other people might read this and go like you know well man up it ain't that bad but i just this wasn't what i want my mask comics to be is what i'm saying so i th- i'm thinking it has a little bit too high of um ripped from today's headlines to it you know Absolutely. yeah like it th- there's not enough escapist yes uh stuff in it there's no um cartoon physics stuff in it no no there isn't i mean there, there in some degrees in some cases um a little bit here and there but i mean you know he rips somebody's face off and uh he shoves somebody down a toilet and actually flushes them down mm, and- see you can't do that I, I i don't think you can do that in the real world <laughs> <laughs> but you know when when he actually when he does become president and he gets inaugurated i mean there's there's a nice i mean there the words the words work in in most cases and and the way he he presents himself and um i mean in at, at his inauguration he has an unmedicated schizophrenic man dressed as a tiger in a top hat um uh, it and 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 that's just nuts but um you know, big, big head shows up at the microphone. And he's like, you know, well, here we are. This is what you wanted, isn't it? I, I appreciate at least that we're finally being an honest. We're finally being honest as a nation that we've shed the facade of the stars and stripes and spit in the face of the world. To your tired, your poor, to your held masses, you can now say, "Fuck off." The Statue of Liberty can finally say, whip, "The finally the Statue of Liberty can finally whip out her big old tits to say none for you." And and it's like, it's I don't know who needs to hear this or read this i don't know who this is for because anybody who um i think anybody who's reading this i think kind of know where they lean politically so a lot of it might be some head nodding and and just be like well yeah Uh, or anybody who should read this is just going to be this isn't going to open anybody's eyes no one's going to read this and go holy shit i've been wrong and 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 i really am a piece of shit and and it took this character no one it's insulting if if you're the type of person this book is attacking so it's i don't it's it was kind of just one of those things where it's just it's it's going to um appease one audience and and uh piss off the other and and i just it's yeah i i Hmm. I was hoping for, and I'm I'm saying I was hoping for something better. Completely from my perspective, you you may read this and think that uh, this is great and 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 it hmm. is better. But yeah, I don't know. No, I don't think. Well, no, I don't mean I don't mean you. You, I just right. Mean that other you know other people might read this and be like, this is the fucking best mask story now, I've ever read. So. Do do you perceive from? I mean, you've read it, so you 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 have the voice of authority here. I haven't. I've just looked at it. Is it a leftist criticism of the right or is it a right this is how it should be proclamation to the left like do you do you think which way does this book lean 
from what you've read or is it is it neutral oh it's definitely not neutral it, okay it 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 leans it's it's left leaning it it is it is written to mock um and and criticize the right it it is it's a slap in the face to anybody who thinks the wall should be built that uh it's it's a slap in the face to anybody who's a nationalist. It's it's. I mean, they he he attacks neo Nazis in one of the issues at the start, and 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 that's fine, and that's yay, you know. Of course, it's the way it should be, but it's it's a little too on the nose, and and there right. just there 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 are moments where it's like, listen, I'm I'm we're we're on the same side. I I I get what you're doing and what you're saying and and why you're saying, but it's you. We can either turn the page, you can rein it in a bit. I, I think we can go. It's just, I think it also, I think the joke also went on a little bit too long. I don't think it needed to be four issues. It, there's just, um, it's, I got the joke early on. I, I knew what we were going for. Um, the only thing that really surprised me was probably that, uh, that, that, that the people didn't wake up. And and vote for the right person. They vote. They voted for um, the majority one, or, or, or the majority voted, or however the election worked out. Big Head becomes president. And um, okay, great. So the payoff now is then his his inauguration speech and um, him dressing up as royalty, and 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 it's yeah. But I, I pulled it, those images for you for the okay. gallery. Um, I mean, I would have taken pictures and scanned from the issues, but no, I got gotcha. you. It's, it's, um, but yeah, I just, it's, it was a little bit too much. Right. Right. This is the problem I have with a lot of, and I shouldn't call it a problem. This is the dilemma, uh, with which I'm faced with a lot of, um, people I consider really good creators like Ruben Bowling. I love Tom the Dancing Bug, but I can't read it. It mm. it it pains me to read it because it's it's he's very good. Um his cartooning is great, his sequentials I mean and he's he's whip smart and and funny. But I can't read it. It's 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 too real. It's it's too contemporary. There's too much of the the, the content is too um uh, closely woven with the stuff that's going on in the real world. I, I, I go into art to escape mm -hmm. and, and call it burying your head in the sand. Fine. But I want to sit down with uh, uh, whatever. I'll just use anything as an example. I want to sit down with judge death and, and, and watch him destroy an entire planet. And um, I, I want to see, the Hulk rip apart monsters and buildings. Like I, I, I need that diversion because it's the real world is this real world is just too much. Right. I, I don't need to be reminded of it. And the same thing goes for like Trudeau and, and Doomsbury. It's, it's always been too close to the, the wound for me. Mm -hmm. But they're great cartoonists. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, right, and, and so I'm willingly depriving myself of excellent work because the the subject matter is is 
I can't digest it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like lactose. So, I, I you know, uh, I wish I could. I wish I had, and I don't know why I don't, because I have the ability to, to turn off the me when I go into these things. But when it comes to current events, I can't do it. When it, when it, when it, even if it's satire or parody, especially if it's satire or parody, the thing they're, they're, at which they're pointing their finger, if I can recognize it and I find it despicable, I can't read anything about it. It's why I find the new or the, the, um, revived mad so distasteful. It's, it, Trump is not funny. <laughs> no. No. And, and, uh, sure, he's a clown. But and and it's very easy to to create these outlandish occurrences and 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 parody him, but it's not really all that outlandish, and it's not really parody because he acts like this. Yes, right. Yeah. So it I, it it just it gives me a, a a very bad case of the agita, and I I can't I can't willingly enter that room. Right. Yeah. It's it's maybe a shortcoming of mine. I don't know. But if you're gonna, if you have a very limited uh, amount of free time, why would you squander it on something that's gonna? And again, this could be used as a a counterattack on my tastes. You know, why would you read a story about a, a young Japanese man just willingly murdering hundreds of people? Eh, I know, I know. It's there's it, a weird fine line there, but um, yeah, it's just too real. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, I I don't think the art is is bad. I, I'm looking at the art. I think it's very well done. It is. It's it's uh, Patrick Reynolds is 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 an extremely uh, talented illustrator. Um, yeah, you know, I I think I think the covers are fantastic, and uh, that that painterly look. Is great. Yeah, it, it, the, the, there was just some inconsistencies, especially with uh, with females' faces, and I it it's and that's and, but what I liked about it is that not everybody like in most mainstream comics you'll see two characters talking and no one's really got their mouths open and 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 but here you actually see expressions you see you know if someone's shouting they are actually you know they have the creases in 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 their cheeks their mouths are wide open you know that they're screaming you can see it in their eyes. Um, so I, I appreciate that it, it's uh, when it came to the and and again and the images of Big Head are fantastic, um, but some of the uh, you know when someone's just standing there with their hands in their pockets in their hoodie or or leaning up against something and it, yeah. some of the some of the sequentials didn't really flow for me compared to the other illustrations it wasn't and and that's what I mean by by some of the inconsistencies it just it it. You no, know, it, it told the story, but it 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 was a little choppy. Yeah, I, I like to think of the polar opposites in far, as far as uh, emotive facial features, like for for the Kevin Maguires that are on the extreme one side, where every little nuance is exaggerated, and the mouths are all pooched out, and the eyebrows, and like Maguire is let, let's be honest, a master at eking out every drop of emotion from the, the, the human features, right? And then you get, you, I'm sure you remember when Chuck Austin was doing 
that war machine, that ridiculous war machine, black and white thing. For Max, yeah. And every panel was, you could tell he was struggling on how do I take this poser model and make it interesting within this picture plane. And then when people spoke, their mouths were closed all the time. Because he would actually have to go in and drag, mm-hmm. if you could. I don't even know if you could do it with, with Poser. I, I've used it a long time ago, and then I I had about my my 15 minutes of experience with it, and then I stopped. <laughs> I, I, I could tell it was the devil. And, so, and, and you pull down on the chin, you know, but ugh, ridiculous. The armor looked okay because, right. because it was a wireframe. He could move it any way he wanted to. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was uh, if we're going to look at the low point of of Marvel, I think that was one of them. That there was two series too. There was actually a sequel, right? He had the the longer one was the volume one, and then hot oh on, yes, hot yes. on the heels they did another one. I was like, what? Really? You're giving yeah. this guy another opportunity to do this? <laughs> Why? And then he went on X Men. Yeah, and and actually, and and um, we're we're Facebook friends. Actually, he, I think he's um, I don't know if he's at Warner Brothers. I, I know he works for um, a studio now, doing work. Mm. Uh, he's got nothing to do with comics. He's he's he's, he's happy uh, not having anything to do with comics. They um, he actually uh, there was a recent post where he was talking about um, Azazel, which was a character he created when he did X Men, which is Nightcrawler's father. And um, and uh, they asked the, the, someone in the thread asked him, you know, if I think he was, you know, they used him in X Men First Class and he looked great, you know, how about those kaching, those royalty checks? He's like, yeah, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I got anything for that. And I mean, he'll occasionally get royalty checks from the other work he's done, but he doesn't recall getting anything. I don't, I'd, I'd have to watch the movie again to look at the credits to see if he's even. Uh, I would imagine he is the way they credit everybody, but. Um. Yeah, he's just you know, no comics is nothing doesn't um, you know whenever whenever you see any creators you've seen it on Facebook where you know a fan will ask them you know well what would you do with Wonder Woman today or what would you do you know what what is and and they're like you know I'm not anybody who stepped away from comics they're like you know they're doing their thing I got I'm not going to write my pitch and and say this is what I would do and and it's like so Chuck seems content. Uh, he's raising his kid. He's, he's, uh, every picture I see him, he's smiling. And I know he got a, I mean, I remember before he was Chuck Austin when, when he was doing, um, the, the books for slave labor. And, and it's, um, I remember him before Marvel and, and then yes, he, he, he wrote Avengers and he wrote X-Men and he got a lot, a lot of shit oh, yeah. for X-Men. Yeah. And, and whether, you know, it, it, I, I'm never going to say if it's deserved because we've, we, we personally know creators, we've read stories and other, and we've enjoyed stories. We've read stories. Other people thought were crap and everybody's going to feel a certain way. And just because Chuck took Kurt's, religion and his beliefs and and knowing that he was a priest at the time and and then coming up with the idea that his father is going to be an actual demon and and really try to write stories that would be um drama filled and entertaining and and give kurt another layer you know, i can't fault somebody for taking taking a stab at because i mean 
there's been a ton of X-Men stories and, and some have worked and some haven't. And you got to give the guy props for trying something new, but if it, it just because th- this is the whole part of, you know, the ownership thing, it, it's, it's okay to walk away from something. It's, it's, I, I did with green lantern. I've done it with Spidey. I've done it with fantastic. If, if something isn't to your liking, you don't, own it. You may you may feel something for these characters. You may want to continue to read their stories. But if someone else who's telling their stories does something with that character you think is wrong or an affront or just I can't believe they did this. This isn't how he would act. It's okay to step back and come back later. Let someone else be because as much as and listen, I've we know we know how I feel, how I felt when Emerald Twilight happened. There's, there's, there's no going back. I'm not going to rewrite history there. I didn't feel that it was right. I didn't think how it would react that way. I left, walked away, and that's fine. I never said they need to stop publishing Green Lantern. This is this is crap. I can't believe who the hell is this character. And yeah, I mock and I make fun that, you know, Kyle went to take a piss in an alley and stumbled upon a ring, and now he's a Green Lantern, which is a slap in the face to every other ring bearer. But there, we know so many people. Frankie, uh, Dildonator, Ian, Steve Raker, we know so many people who are fans of Green Lantern because of Kyle. Mm-hmm. Kyle got them to read Green Lantern. Kyle was fresh and new and he wasn't the old dude who's been around since the 60s. And that's great. So now other people get to read a Green Lantern and everybody's happy. I still have mine. I can still go back and read mine. And now these people... And so I'm... I'm, I'm this is a long rant about you know ownership again, but for Chuck Austin to do something with, 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 with a property that you know he was hired to do something with, and and for people to just go ape shit with 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 death threats and 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 fire this man now and it's just like it's it's I mean my wife would say it's just comics and 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 so this is this is your escapism you 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 spend your disposable income on something so you can enjoy it but this is also this dude's livelihood this is his job so you can go spend your two bucks on something else but this guy's doing this so he can support his family. And it's like, I don't, there's, there's, there's a huge disconnect there sometimes. Yeah. Well, like Duchamp said, everybody's a fucking critic. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's an exact quote. It is. Um, I, th- from what I can recall about Austin's run, it was more, um, reality TV before that. It was even a thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more cult of personality and, yeah. and, you know, uh, along those lines. But when you were talking, I'm thinking, is there anything more pathetic than buying a run out of inertia just to, you know, complete that run, which I'm not criticizing that we've all done that. And we've all continue to do that in some, in certain instances, right? If you, I have the entire run of spawn, I have not read it in about eight issues. I'm just not compelled to read it. Okay. But I still buy it. I just but, bought the mask. <laughs> right. But that's that's not what I'm 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 right. That's not the pinpoint I'm trying to make. Is there anything more pathetic than continuing to buy a run out of inertia, reading it and hating 
each and every issue and complaining online to the creators, to the publisher, to you know your your peers, your other people in fandom, and just like finding something distasteful in every single issue and going online and venting your spleen in little tiny characters, and you continue to buy it. You continue to buy it. Like I can see. All right, I got every issue of this this gold digger comic. I'm just not going to read. Uh, this is not me, of course. I'm just not going to read it. Because Fred Perry has done over 250 issues of this thing. I don't want to stop now. I need to have it all. He's eventually going to stop, and you know I want it all. But I'm just not grooving on the current storyline. I'm just going to not read it for a, a couple of months. And then, well, when the mood strikes me, I'll go back to it. But to continually read something and pick it apart and find fault with everything and point your fingers at the creator online, that's just weird and pathetic. If if it bothers you that much, why are you keep buying it? And then you just go online and just spew your darkness, and nobody benefits from that. Not even no. you. Nope. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird, silly. But I have to give you credit for this. The the I pledge allegiance to the mask mm -hmm. is not a bad thing to bring to the table this episode because you have just created the double header okay we now have a dark horse double header in the show notes yes because, because gantz is dark horse so that we made lemonade there you go yeah but i i also i i spoke on that uh a to get it off my list um Thank and because you. it's sitting right here on my desk and now i can go file it in the box but um the flip side of that, since this brought a little bit too much real world and, and doom and gloom to my reading, um, I've read uh, from Aftershock, uh, The Man Who Fucked Up Time, the first two issues. Mm. Um, and this caught my eye because it's it's written by John Lehman, who, of course, wrote Chew, writes Chew. Um and art by uh, Carl Mostert, who I'm not familiar with, uh, a gentleman who lives in South Africa. Uh, colors by D. Cunniff. I'm going to say Cunniff. It might be Cunniff, eh? Um But uh, the, basically the story here, it's uh, – well, it, it's, it's truth in advertising. You absolutely have um, – uh, this this is this is the man who fucked up time. Sean Bennett is a lab assistant uh, who works for uh, a finer tomorrow laboratories, and uh, the the lab he works in. Um, the project lead is Professor Kendricks, um, Professor Stooch, and Doctor Cook. Doctor Cook are the project leads, and uh, they've built a time machine um but apparently sean is not just your normal average wannabe smart guy who just happens to be a lab assistant he um he, he absolutely is a um is a smart dude um because Dr. Cook, um, the, uh, um, 
the asshole in the story, he, um, he's Sean's college roommate, uh, a spoiled rich boy, uh, sailed through temporal physics, uh, and, and his, his thesis was, was based on Sean's notes and research. So, um, Sean couldn't get his student loans, so he couldn't complete his studies. And then Sean swooped in and, uh, took advantage of that. And I'm sorry, no, Grant swooped in, took advantage of that. Also, uh, snagged Sean's girl because apparently there are photos and Sean says he wasn't making out with her. Uh, it could have looked like that and he understands, but in any event, after, uh, after Cook shows his ass and, and cause they, they have a presentation to let everybody know that time machine works. Um, Grant, uh, the cook is bossing Sean around, telling him to make sure, you know, the lab is clean, clean up my desk, this, that, and the other. Um, so Sean goes to, um, drink away his sorrows. He shows up at the, uh, at the bar and a dude sidles up next to him and, uh, guys wearing a hoodie. And uh, they start talking, and uh, you know, it sounds as though the guy in the hoodie's telling Sean. It sounds like Grant Cook needs uh, needs to be put in his place, and and uh, you can show him who's boss. And you know, this sounds like you know all all the problems you have with this guy sounds like something a, a time machine could fix. I mean, I'm just saying. And it, it is revealed that the person in the hoodie is none other than Sean from the future. So, um, he's like, listen, just take my bag, use this as an opportunity, um, and, uh, take advantage of the situation and, and just follow my instructions. So Sean goes back to the lab, um, goes back one week, opens up the book bag, sees that it's his notebook it's a future notebook and that's what that's has given professor Kendricks uh everything he needs to complete the time machine uh because he he was at an impasse and 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 something was missing and then he sees this notebook and and he reads his notes and and realizes okay so this is what needs to be done and uh so Sean did all this and why Sean from the future just didn't go back and do this, I don't know. Uh, but it's like he kind of set himself up, literally. So he um, he goes back and he uh, he thinks he's fixed everything. But while he's there, while he's 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 in the past by a week, he decides to um, send a dozen roses to. Um, Marianne, who's who Sean, who, who Sean lost and, and Grant is with now. Uh, he also decides to go pick up, um, a, uh, a pick three lotto ticket and then goes back to the present day, except the entire world is completely fucked up and uh there's a samurai looking policeman on a what kind of looks like a large armadillo-y 
not a triceratop because he's missing the the horns on the head, but uh, there are spiked horns. There's spikes throughout the top of 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 the creature's body, and uh, the cop is riding him like a horse, and everybody has top hats because um, Abraham Lincoln um, is the 16th president and the first king of the United States. And um, I don't know what it is about Abraham Lincoln, but uh, Sean goes to his apartment building, which of course looks way different in the future, but his apartment is there and he is about to enter his apartment, except um, the future police temporal crime prevention appears knock him out um tell him that he has to fix everything he broke um or else and the or else what is they will go back in time 25 years and kill him as a baby making sure that he doesn't ever get the chance to fuck up time um and all that happens in the first issue and and then what's nice the back matter I, I, I love Lehman. Um, apparently, Dr. Cook wrote a letter to HR to complain about Sean Bennett. Um, yeah, and, and HR writes back and says that after review of your complaint, we find it meritless and will not be terminating Mr. Bennett's employment, as you suggested. Being, in quotes, weird and goofy looking is hardly grounds for termination, not to mention being an incredibly subjective complaint we've also determined not cleaning your computer monitor to your satisfaction or sweeping enough around your workstation to be sufficient grounds for revoking employment plus we'd like to note that peer reviews of mr bennett by both professors kendricks and stooch suggest bennett to be an exemplary employee your opinion notwithstanding um so they shoot down uh grant's wish of of getting rid of uh sean and then there's a, a wikipedia entry which lets you know about the attempted assassination of abraham lincoln where um the wikipedia page basically says that um he is the, abraham lincoln as i said the 16th president of the united states and america's uh first king um is the direct ancestor to our beloved king abraham lincoln the sixth the v is a five right yeah um and uh and it goes on about the attempted assassination by John Wilkes Booth. But the second issue, um Sean tries to uh he does go back and, and, and he tries to fix some things and he fights himself because um when he goes back he sees himself buying the roses and buying the lottery ticket. Um unfortunately every time he punches his past self, he's also getting hurt. Uh, so it's not really a fight. He wins as much as, um, kind of just gets through to show him that, uh, they mean business. The future police scar the baby and, um, and our Sean present day, Sean now has the, um, has the scar and has had the scar, um, his entire life when his family, when he was, Six years old, they went to um, Lincoln Land. Um, they uh, they show his engagement to Marianne, which of course um, 
ended since she's with Grant. But yeah, you know, he he does try to um, he does try to fix it, and um, it looked like he undid everything, and he was ready to quit working at Finer tomorrow. Um, but uh, when he um, you know, he goes through the time machine again. Uh, the world looks way, way, way different. And again, um, there's a connection to Abraham Lincoln, even in this timeline. So, um, again, I don't know what layman's infatuation is with, with, with Lincoln. It's, um, interesting, but, uh, yeah, these first two issues were, um, I, I, you know, like I said, the title is there. I kind of, I, I appreciate time travel and 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 everything that how messy that can be. Um, I don't, I don't think I was expecting some of the directions this went in, so it was a welcome surprise. I was, uh, I was quite happy. About it. I, I was, I was very happy with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to the third issue. Detailed, yeah, and kind yeah. of makes your head hurt, just like all time travel stories. Yeah. I mean, it does. It, it's yeah. It, it's it. It probably wasn't easy to um, follow my, my my review, but it 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 when you're when you're reading it as you're turning pages and, and you're seeing everything play out, it 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 does work. The, uh, John and Carl do do a solid job of 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 bring telling you the story, bring everything together. But yeah, it's it's um it's not it it's not Billy from the family circus trying to get from, from the front door to the gazebo. It's, it's, it's pretty straightforward as, as you're reading it. But, um, if this is definitely, if someone were trying to, like I was, um, verbally tell you what happened, it, it's definitely something that you did. Oh wait, no, I gotta go back. Cause that's not how I got to set up the joke. You see, I've missed the part where the guy went into the bar. It's like, so I definitely get that, explaining the book could be hella confusing, but it's a book that, uh, that I think people would get a kick out of. Nice. I got something, one of those rare works that even though it's set in a very specific time frame, it's a, it's a work that I see as, as being timeless because, mm. uh, there's a, a component within the story that we all can plug our little, th- a very, uh, uh, something relating to us into the story. Uh, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a universal tale of the dangers of, um, pursuit at the expense of everything else around you. So it was published by Scout Comics, written by Michael Legacy. Illustrated by Todor Ristoff. It's called The Forever Maps. And it was published in a one-volume collection. I don't know if it was ever released in single-issue form, but the manner by which I consumed it was a trade paperback done in one. Um, It's a story of a man named John, born in the late 1700s. When the story opens, it's like 1794, say, and uh John's father's a dick. Um 
he's a lawyer and a minister, uh, and they're very specific to say not the religious kind. He's like a uh, minister of taxes, taxation. And so uh, he did his job very well, but not many people like him. He's boorish and loud-mouthed and uh, very egocentric, and he wants his son, John, who's about uh, less than 20 when the, when the story opens, uh, college age, wants his son to uh, pursue uh, the same track that he did. You're going to go to law school, you're going to go to a good school, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. And, and he's not concerned with his son's development to give the boy some kind of sense of value or comfort in life. He just wants the kid to make something out of himself so he could say, yes, that is my son. And, and he is continuing the proud tradition of whatever bullshit that I'm spewing. And uh, You know what I mean? So he's, he's more concerned with himself than he is his son. And the father drives a wedge between uh, John and his mother because John's father is also abusive. Mm. And he bats mom around like a rag doll. And one day, John just couldn't take it anymore. And and, uh, he didn't stand up to the father because the father was one bigger than him. And uh, two, I think John was a bit of a coward uh, and would flee uh, things um, that he found uh, distasteful, I guess. Um, and uh, so he, he he goes out, leaves the house, he goes out into the, the woods, and there's an old man screaming, ah, and, he, and he, he enters the scene, and the old man's about to be attacked by a wolf. And he's the old man's batting the wolf away with, with what looks like a map. And so John chases the wolf away because two are more formidable than one. And uh, the... The old man tells his tale about the map and um, eventually gives the map to John because he doesn't want it anymore. He doesn't want that life anymore, even though he does. Um, everything he's about is the map, but he he finds something within himself to the strength to give this map away. And like, what is going on here? And uh, John follows the map. And leads him to uh, uh, an old rotted stump. And on top of the stump is a box. And on top of the box is a raven. And in the box is another map. And John spends lifetimes. And and, uh, (laughs) many more than one normal human lifespan going from map to map to map to map and every time he finds a map it leads him to another map another box another raven and uh it turns out that as long as john is on the quest for the next map he does not age at the normal rate humans age so uh while he's on the the hunt for the next map uh it, his his father, like early on, his father sent him to school and paid the tuition and you're going to get an education by damned and you're going to make something of yourself. John's in school and he, he gets the itch to find that next map and he misses classes and eventually abandons school entirely 
and just goes off on, you know, devotes his life basically to procuring the next map. And um, along the way, he falls in love with a woman. Hmm. No, it's (laughs) knowing that you're not sticking around does not do a service to this woman. Even if you may purport to love her, uh, you're going to be, you know, you're a rambling man. You're going to be dust. Uh, soon so um she get the father of of the girls like you're gonna do right by my daughter you're gonna marry her um and all the while john is he's got his mother in the back of his mind because they when they left there was unfinished when they parted there was unfinished business he never really told his mother he was sorry and he's carrying this guilt Mm. uh, of not patching up things with mom um and he eventually makes it back home, and the father's like, "You don't, you're not welcome here." Father's noticeably older, and John is not. Uh, you're not welcome here. And he's like, "I just want to talk to mom." And he's like, "The father said, well, yeah, that would be great if she was still alive.'" And there's there's a, a note in a, a letter involved that uh, the mother wrote to uh, John, and he never. Uh, had the uh, gumption to open it because he didn't want to face the demons, right? Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't want to face what he did. So he, he continues to go on these quests for the maps and eventually goes back to the, the wife and she dies in, she dies in childbirth. Damn. And so John takes the child on the map quest <laughs> with, with him. <laughs> and the child is on the quest with dad. So the child does not age at the same rate normal people age. And so there's a scene on a train where he's talking to his father and uh, a woman hears his voice but doesn't see him. And she she hears what he's saying. And she thinks he's a a boy in his late teens, early 20s because he's uh, speaking as as one of that age would. And when he, you know, gets into her field of vision, she's like, my God, I I thought you were much, much older. How old are you? And he's like, I'm four. (laughs) She's like, okay, all right. And eventually he asks her, he said, how many uh, snow seasons are there in, in a year? And the woman's like, what? He's like, how many times do we get that snow season in a year? And the woman said, one. And the kid goes off the friggin' rails, confronts the father, and turns out the, the little guy is in his 20s. But he, he, to the eyes, he looks like he's, he's a, a child. Um, and the kid's like, this, I, I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous. You, you, everything is passing you by. Mom died, you know, your loves, everything in every person that you at least find an attachment to, you they just fall by the wayside because you're going on this stupid quest. What's the deal? And so he drops the kid off with family. And it so happens that because the kid is no longer on the quest, the kid begins, the, the, the age that he should have been be, be, starts to impact itself on the boy's body, and he turns into this withered. He is, his body is broken. His face, mm. like it, 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 does, it doesn't. The the body physically didn't mature in line with the age he's supposed to be, and he's just a mess. He can't 
He can't walk. He's rid bedridden. Um, Meanwhile, John's still on the quest for the maps, <laughs> and, he, and he's going here, and he's not aging, and he's seeing technology rise, and, and the industrial age, and, and things are progressing, and, and, you know, automobiles. Whoa, I can find more maps quicker. So he gets a car, and he's riding around finding the maps, and he has to burn the ones that he's accumulated because he doesn't have room for them. And the only thing that's really important is the next map because then it will lead him to the next one. And people live and people die and go fall by the wayside, blah, blah, blah. And he goes back to his son and he realizes, you know, what he's done. He committed, he, he, he condemned this kid to a life of hell and misery just so he could scratch that itch to find the next map. And it wasn't fair to anybody. The, 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 the dead wife slash mother. Uh, but eventually he opens the letter from mom. And I don't know whether I should tell you what was uh, written therein because I want you to read this thing. Uh, it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful book. Again, it's not upbeat. There is a little glimmer of, of uh, hope at the end of the, the, the story. So it's not all doom and gloom. But uh, most of it, yeah, it, it, it's it's the the hazards of of chasing that that brass ring at the expense of every everyone around you. Like you know, we see it all the time. These career minded people that just invest so much of themselves into their job that you know the relationship with the wife and the children is almost non existent because they're so driven to succeed. And then once they succeed, they're they're uh, they compel themselves to succeed at something on another plateau. And an, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. This guy's chasing all these maps and doesn't take the time to appreciate all the people around him. Once he embarks on the quest, he can't stop. Because if he does, he's going to die. All those years are going to catch up with him. So he has to keep going and keep going. Does he? Read the book and find out. <laughs> it is wonderful. It It's like a a really uh, a deeply fleshed out episode of say the twilight zone. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 amazing and uh visually uh Ristov's work is a combination of Christopher Mitten. Okay. Uh a smattering of Sinkevich. Um it's it's very expressive, very painterly. Um there, I mean, there is brushwork and line work in it, but it's it has a painterly edge to it. Uh, most of the book is sepia tone, uh, single color, uh, muted. Um, then it'll segue into like uh, single blues, but it's very monochromatic in spots uh, or in in waves. And then it, it's it's a very um, emotional line emotional emotional brush work in it it's it's messy beautifully messy um it yeah it's it's not uh mainstream by any stretch of the imagination mm-hmm. it, um there's a little butcher baker in it too oh yeah with the line work um it, like i said it, it, it's very accomplished mark making um and loose and fancy free man uh, but it's dark, as the the narrative compels it to be dark, because it's not a happy thing, you know. This guy just thumbs his nose at the real world to keep finding the next map. It's it's it it could be about addiction, 
It could be about the quest to succeed at the expense of all else. Like it, you, you can plug in any kind of obsession into it, and it works, right? So I thought it was wonderful. Uh, the Forever Maps, and it's by Scout Comics. That's um, great. It's, um, I have it right here. I'll tell you the price. The price was twelve ninety nine okay. for the trade paperback. Yeah, it is absolutely astounding. I would not steer you wrong. No, no, you wouldn't. No. Loved it. Absolutely. I think you can give the now this is a book you can bring to Sunday dinner and and pass around. And I, I think you know, there's a lot of people that would find recognition within these pages or at least something to which they can understand and meet halfway. Like, yes, I've seen this or I've experienced this and yeah. There's no superpowers in it. There's paranormalism, you know, from the fact that he doesn't age. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's very, very conceptual. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like it a lot. Yeah. So what do you think, Dapper Rooney? Uh, I, well, Jason isn't here, so I can probably talk about this for a minute since he's probably going to read it Um when he can, but I read the entire Hellmouth event that crossed over Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and the five-issue Hellmouth miniseries. And what was neat about this is that um, I think I didn't, but I think you could probably just read Hellmouth on its own because the Hellmouth miniseries is where Angel and Buffy were hanging out during this event. And the Angel comic focused on Gunn and Spike and Fred uh, and Lorne appears. And I loved Lorne. I was so sad when uh, that actor passed. But uh, And the Buffy book focused on Giles, Willow, Xander, um, and a couple other characters that uh, weren't on the show, but are in uh, the Boom Studios series. So so if you still, so the supporting cast got time to shine because the stars of the books uh, were doing their thing in the main event of the um of the miniseries title so overall there were a lot of issues um and i read them in the order that uh that they were published that that, that they were kind of presented i didn't read the Hellmouth and then read, I, you could i could have read the buffy book on its own and and it works really well um so so there may not be I know in this month's previews, or maybe it was last month's, where there was the Hellmouth hardcover or trade collecting the five issues of the miniseries. And then this way, when Boom collects the Angel or the Buffy series, they can keep everything, even though it'll be under the Hellmouth banner. Whatever happens in the Buffy book continued from, from one issue to the next. You didn't need to read Angel to keep reading Buffy, except unless you wanted to know what happens with Spike, because Spike does appear early on in the Buffy issues. And then after the, um, 
Drusilla opens the Hellmouth with Spike's blood, um, in part with Spike's blood, he flees to um, to Los Angeles, and that's when um, Gunn and Fred bump into him, and he kind of teams up with them. Actually, he teams up with Gunn because Fred gets kidnapped because there's a higher power who wants Fred to um, because she has abilities that they want to um, exploit. But I, I, you know, I got I got to hand it to my comic shop because I would not have bothered with this. I know Jason talked up the issues when, when, when boom had the license and, and, and started them out, but um, it's something I was in the back of my mind. I'll eventually get around to reading. If we find trades at cons or whatever, uh, whenever we get to go to cons again, but we have, um, but because my guy at, at, at the comic shop, he and I were talking about Buffy one day, he decided to, pull the issue for me and, and it coincided with the beginning of this event. And, um, and now I'm kind of hooked because the event's over and I still, and, and I have the next issues of Angel and Buffy, um, in my pile to read. So he got me hooked on, on two new series. Uh, but overall, I think this event was, was pretty neat. I don't know if it was maybe too early for the helmet because it, it, the Buffy is up to, Issue 13 and Angel's up to issue 9. So I don't know if it was too early for something like the Hellmouth to be opened. Uh, but I think considering what went on and, and the introduction of a new Slayer, uh, because every generation a Slayer was born and because Buffy was... Buffy had left this um, this plane to go deal with the Hellmouth... Um, then we were unprotected. So the next slayer had to kind of come into play. So now that Buffy is back, there's two slayers. And, and uh, so we'll see how that plays out in the Buffy book. But overall, I, you're, I'm talking about this and I'm mentioning anybody who worked on it. And, and the um, Buffy is, is written by um, Jordi Belair and illustrated by David Lopez. I really like Lopez's work on the Buffy book. Um, I dig his Xander. I, I, um, the Willow isn't a straight up rip of, of Allison Hannigan. I, I like the way, and I mean, Allison is fetching in her own right, but I, I, I like the Willow presented here, um, in the book. It definitely, it, it, it's, Jordy's got the nice, uh, she, she's got a nice mix of, I hear the characters from the TV show, but it's, it's kind of been tweaked, updated a little bit. With, 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 with today's slang or, or mannerisms and, um, nothing feels forced and, or, or corny. It, it's just, you know, there's still the Scooby gang, but, um, it's, it's definitely more, uh, contemporary, we'll say, but, but it, but I still hear Sarah Michelle Geller. I still hear, uh, Nicholas Brendan and, 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 and the characters as they would talk on the show. Uh, Angel is by Brian Edward Hill who we're all fans of. And um, I really like uh, Gleb Melnikov's art. And and if I can get a commission from Gleb, I'm going to shoot for that. Um, I like, I like his, I like the way he draws Spike a lot. And his Fred is, um, is, I can't take my eyes off her. Um, 
and the the Hellmouth event, the series, the miniseries itself, uh, was written by um, was written by Belair. And uh, hold on, it was um, Belair and Jeremy Lambert, and illustrated by um, Eleonora Carlini. And it's the art in Hellmouth is a little different. Than the ongoing, that the, the main title art, um, kind of manga esque in some cases, in some places. Um, Buffy looks like she uh, she takes care of business and and doesn't uh, suffer fools. It's um, but yeah, I, I really I really did enjoy enjoy this overall. I wasn't um, I really didn't know what to expect. This was my first time with with the boom. Um, version of of the the buffy verse but yeah i um if 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 you get a chance um i would definitely recommend it i i think uh and and there's so many characters because if if you're familiar with the show you know there's so many characters there's anya there's cordy there's and and at this stage uh cordelia is still in high school with 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 the gang she's not in um los angeles with angel like she was on the show um but no, it's it's if you're familiar with the show, like I am, everybody is here with the addition of uh, of some other characters that aren't um, they aren't given the short shrift. Everybody is is presented um, as equals. No one's really here to just be either comic relief or to make any of the main characters look better. It's it's still and and there's the, the after effects of. The Hellmouth was opened. Buffy went away to go fight it, um, and Sunnydale isn't in the best of shape. You know, the streets are still cracked, and 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 trees are broken, and and but but people are still trying to move on. People are still trying to live their lives. School is still in session. Um, everybody's trying to make the best of it. They they know things on the surface don't look all that great, but. Um, life goes on and, and, and they're dealing with that. And, um, when, when Buffy and Angel appear at the end to, um, after they do what they had to do down in Hellmouth, and, uh, there were other things going on in the Buffy comic that were also needed to be, uh, needed to be handled at, at all. It, I think it was, it was resolved well. And, it, and, and when you get to the end of, the event which wraps up with um, with Buffy number twelve and, and Hellmouth number five, it, it's it was almost like it, it was the end of the first. I mean, it was definitely the end of the first year of this, of, of this universe, but um, it was the end of one chapter while making sure you knew that the next one w- was starting right after. It wasn't. It, it didn't feel like this was an ending, and now here's here's a new story being told it, it it definitely was a continuation but there was a there was a sense of of some closure with with the conclusion of uh of hellmouth i i was it's another one that just really i was happily pleasantly surprised everybody um everybody working on on this on the series themselves but the event um handled it beautifully i uh I was quite happy with it. Nice. Good for you. Good for me. Good for you. 
All right, everybody. Once again, thanks a whole bunch for being here. Remember, write these down. I'm not going to, well, I am going to repeat them, but I'm just being a jerk. But uh, write them down anyway. From uh, DCBService.com, the place, the only place that's going to get you your books at a discounted rate, super low discounts. You're not going to pay anywhere near. No, that's not right. You're going to pay far too much at other outlets. Just go to Discount Comic Book Service and you get the stuff cheap. Remember, from IDW, Bermuda number one is $2.49. That's half price. Neil Gaiman and a bunch of big old powerhouses on the Norse Mythology series. First issue will cost you $1.99. And Stargazer number one from Mad Cave Studios is $2.19. Featuring art by Antonio Fusso. Stop it. DCB's <laughs> DCBService.com. My uh, In Your Travels is... Um, I, it's masquerading as something else because it's mm. yeah, it's really an artist spotlight. <laughs> because uh, it's going to be a little bit longer than usual because I, I, you know, this guy's phenomenal. His name is Roger Bignone. I talked a little bit about uh, No Man Number Thirteen, maybe two episodes or one episode yeah, ago. Wasn't that uh, long ago? Yeah, but um, I didn't feel like I did the work justice. And in the meantime, I received No Man number 14. So uh, th- these are very, very special books. Uh, I don't think you'll be able to pop down to your local shop and, and well, most local shops. There, I'm sure there are some that have them. Um, they are uh, DIY, out the wazoo. He risograph prints the interiors. He silk screen, uh, silk screen, dumbass. He screen prints the covers. Each issue is limited in number, and each one is numbered. So if he prints 250, you open up the front cover, you're going to see a little um, handwritten 142 over 250. And when the, the print run runs out, they run out. So uh, these are not mass-produced by any stretch of the imagination. He is a phenomenal talent. You can see his work on, and it's Roger with a D. So it's R-O-D-G-E-R, Roger Bignone, B-I-N-Y-O-N-E, dot bigcartel.com. And his home base on the Internet is nomanillustration.com. His imprint is No Man. And I, like I said, I read No Man 13, which was titled Hex Cymatics. And I read 14, which is called Volcano's Reach, Fumarole Imbroglio. Love that name. Uh, so what's so special about this guy? Well, his work is, it, it, it speaks to me um like no other artist of recent memory, uh, when I get obsessed with things, I go in whole hog. And this guy's work has me mesmerized. Um, he deals a lot in in patterns and colors and um, repetition, the juxtaposition of patterns with vast areas of, of solid color. It's uh, a little bit 60s op art. Um, mixed with the you know the underground um, visceral sensibilities, uh, the stories are are worked around a central 
concept like cymatics. Do you know what cymatics is? Mm. Yeah. Um, I know it because I'm into music. Cymatics is, it, well, it has to do with vibration. It's, it's a phenomenon where something, usually a liquid of various thicknesses or consistencies, is put in a, a container of, of limited or, or minimal thickness. And this substance is subjected to vibration. And the patterns that erupt in the substance, depending on the shape and the thickness of the container, will change in relation to the container. Like, do you have a, a garbage disposal in your sink? No. All right. Uh, uh, we do. And okay. it's, and it's a, it's a segmented sink. You got the, the, the garbage disposal on the left in okay. the, in this little set, you know, portion of sink. Then you got a bigger sink proper on the right. If, if there's a dish with any kind of liquid in the, the, the main sink, when I'm running the garbage disposal, the vibration will cause a pattern in the, the liquid. Mm-hmm. And depending on the shape of the container, the, the pattern changes and shifts. And it's amazing. It's mesmerizing to watch. And I do it all the time. And what I'll do is sometimes I'll lean on the sink a little bit to change the pressure and make the pattern shift a little bit. Like, it's just a goofy thing that I like to do. But, you know, it's it's enthralling. It's mesmerizing to me mm-hmm. to see this little this little eruption of, of shapes in relation to this vibration. And after all, we are all vibration, right? Our molecules are humming along and, and you know, sound is vibration and we are in part sound because we are vibrating too. So, but whatever the case. So the uh, no man number 13 involves these two security guards and they seem to have a past history and there's an abrasive boss involved and there's a, uh, uh, an area, a, a hexagonal area of calm on the, um, one of the poles of Jupiter that's involved. And it's just about two beings that commingle and vibration plays a part in it. And it's more, his work is more visual based than narrative based. Um, yeah, the the concepts are rich, but they're just little fulcrums in order to instigate cool imagery, right? Like he he'll do this egg shaped organism that represents the boss, and the boss always wears these goofy sunglasses, and so you have this egg shaped organism that's split into vertical and horizontal lines, which are then uh, which then contain squares that are dug out of the shape. So light, shadow, pattern, um, rhythm, vibration. It's amazing. But it's one of those things where the words that are coming out of my mouth are not going to do justice to the actual images. That's what you need to, to experience because it doesn't work on a language level. It, it, it works more in that area of the brain where recognition pops up and the subjective mixes with the objective and you get the dialogue that you can't convey in words, right? Mm-hmm. We, we talk about this all the time. Um, no Man 14, which is volcanoes, and it's not volcanoes, it's volcanoes reach, uh, fumarole imbroglio, 
it's about uh, a chemist scientist who had an altercation with a a peer and the the his uh, antagonist pushed his face into molten lava and destroyed half of his face so his optics were rewired he's a cyclopean guy now right and he's a volcano artist he's devoted his life to making images of volcanoes and he he has you know garnered some renown for doing just that and he gets a job offer and uh, it turns out that the old antagonist buddy who was envious of his accomplishments is now the person with which he's at this new place and it from there you know it goes on and there's massive roger dean-esque landscapes of of uh surface and underground in the same image splayed out where you get this this massive wraparound cover that is is uh what is above and what is below it's just beautiful amazing stuff so i i looked at this work and i'm like wow this flips a trigger that hasn't been flipped in a while i want to know more about this guy right turns out while he did take some classes at temple university he's basically self-taught yeah and you get the jackie chan gif you know the the mind blown Jackie Chan thing, mm-hmm. and it, to and it just it reinforces my belief that formal education destroys more than it creates, more than it cultivates. And far be it from me, who is an educator of of some kind, to to you know disparage formal education, but it's the truth. The the rawness, the vitality, all that stuff. Formal education has a tendency of squashing that because you're told this is how it's done. But I don't want to do it that way. What if I find a way to make it work this way? No, 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 no. You're holding the paintbrush wrong. You're not doing that. That is not the way we artists do it. This is how it's done. And it, I try not to bring that to whatever uh, thing we tackle in, in class, but it, it's rough because. I was formerly educated, so I'm trying to forget all that shit, and I don't want to proliferate it and dump it all on my kids, but formal education is bad, in in my belief. Um, there's just, it sucks the life out of a lot of creative people, but anyway. Um, so he he's always been into comics. Um he created a uh, screen printed map of Philadelphia that became a hit. And he's like, Whoa, I like the screen printing stuff. It's, it's DIY that, that speaks to me. I'm going to try and bring that to comics. And he did, but the, uh, it's very demanding physically to screen print, especially the more colors you, you, uh, you print, the more demanding it is on the, on the wrists and the, the hands. And, you know, you have to consider arthritis and, and uh, carpal tunnel and all that shit that comes along with using your hands frequently, right? So um, he's fi- trying to find a balance in between. So that's why the interiors are risograph printed. They would be screen printed if it was effortless, but unfortunately it's not. So he risograph prints the interiors, screen prints the covers. It's a nice balance. But And I asked him, what are the influences? What am I seeing here? Point me in a direction of what inspired you. And a lot of it was what I expected, you know, Kirby, Wolverton, Miller, Mobius, 
Charles Burns, Steve Ditko. I mean, you can see that in his work. But then he said, and this this is where the the light started to go on. Uh, M. C. Escher, H. R. Giger, uh, Chris Foss, Frank Rosetta. Like you know, it's it, there's an amalgamation of the the pulpy paperback um, cover artists, the uh, Renaissance men like Giger uh, and Foss, who could seemingly pull uncharted vistas just from their brain and and once you see them they never go away can you ever forget an hr giger painting no no right and before you ever saw it you would never conceive that something like that could ever exist from the mind of a human being but yet there it is and chris foss is the same way those giant starships that just they they look organic and and mechanical at the same time and um Long, long, long story short, Bignon is incredible. And if you're a fan of the off the beaten path stuff and the experimental and the expressive and just plain orgasmic color and line, check this guy's work out. Uh, like I said, no man illustration is the home base. You can click on store there and it'll take you to, to his little big cartel. But if you want to go directly, uh, you can go to rogerbignon.bigcartel.com. Blew me away. I love this band. And um, I, I want all of his things. Unfortunately, a lot of them are, are sold out. Because, as I said, very small print run. But get in while you can. And for what he's given you, they are not expensive. His his things are usually 48 pages or more, hand-assembled Rizograph pages, screen printed covers, they're maybe fourteen, fifteen bucks. Wow. No, it's not bad at all. No. It's extremely affordable. I don't know, maybe that will change after this. Hopefully he'll get an inundation of, of people wanting to buy his stuff. He does T shirts, uh art prints, just wow. He's he's a force to be reckoned with. Go go check out his stuff. In your damn travels, that's it. Boom. Yes. Uh, I won't go that long, but I do want, um, I was kind of hooked on this book within the first couple of pages because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, cause there's a schematic and, uh, there's a, um, a breakdown of the planet. Uh, this is, uh, Tartarus. From Image by Johnny Christmas and Jack T. Cole. Um, it is not a small first issue, um, but it is an awesome setup. Um, this is, uh, they are on uh, the planet Sticks, home of Tartarus uh, in uh, Baxton Empire Space. Actually, no, it's, it's, there's, uh, the planet is smack dab in the middle of um, Baxton and, and uh, I'm going to say Jurian, but it's J-U-R-I-A-N, so it might be Jurian Empire Space. Uh, and the schematic is of the pit, which is the prison. And there's the original fortress, and on top of that is old prison, Still in use. Then there's the main prison. 
there's an armory at the top. There's a security plug at the tip top. Uh, water intake. The uh, the warden is um, has the title of uh, master of locks, and the um, there's there's eight sub levels to uh, to this place, and the abyss is the isolation unit reserved for the most dangerous inmates, which we meet pretty much right off the bat. Uh, and uh, the most dangerous inmate in the prison is Circa. And the first half-ish of this issue um, deals with Circa escaping. And she is... Uh, she fucks shit up and, and she, uh, she takes her crew and they work on an escape. The master of locks confronts her. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, and she does when, when, when she does break out, she, um, she comes face to face with her little baby girl. Tilde and um, while taking a moment with her, that's when um, the uh, the master of locks, Hisa, confronts Circa, and they're going to have a knockdown, drag out fight. So, so they're fighting um, a uh, there's a little bit of a backstory involving one of the guards at the prison and trying to make a name for himself and um, take out Circa. Uh, but the weapon that this private uses um, does a hell of a lot more than just um, that take someone out. It, um, it, makes a crater and, and it's, it's insane. So Circa and Hisa are missing. They're just gone. They're obliterated. They are, they are completely, um, the, uh, the private has been arrested for the murder of uh master of locks, Akeda. And it's, you just, you see the crater, you see a bunch of red, like specks are flittering about, um, and that's the end of part one and part two kicks off, uh, 17 years later. And Tilde is now growing into a beautiful young woman. Uh, she is with, uh, she is a cadet in the, uh, Baxton military. Uh, she has no idea really about her genetic makeup, uh, something happens though, where it is revealed who she is, um, what her pedigree is. And, uh, and, and things get a little hairy at that point. And it's, it was, um, this was a page turner. I, uh, I like, we, we read the, um, the alien three original, William Gibson screenplay that Dark Horse put out that Johnny Christmas uh, wrote and drew. Um, Johnny's just writing this. I, I like 
I like the stories. I mean, that was an adaptation, but, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grooving to what's going on here. The way, the way these world, the way the world is, has been set up, the way the characters have been, um, not just introduced, but, uh, how they behave and, and interact with one another. It, it's, there's, it's, it's the first issue and it already feels so lived in and, and, uh, established. And I, I appreciate that. It's, it's just, I like the look of it. Cole's art. Um, a little bit of a, a little bit of amalgamation of a couple. There's, there's, I, I sense maybe a little bit of, um, of Mobius, maybe a little bit of, um, Brendan Graham. There's, there is a European feel. Absolutely. Uh, some Nara. But it's um, it's not dripping uh, with the European influence in my eyes. I don't I don't feel like I, I could read this in an issue of heavy metal. This it 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 it's kind of feels like an image comic, but not your traditional typical image comic. But I, I I'm definitely coming back for the second issue, especially the way um, the first ends. Uh, the the colors are are, are kind of pop and i i i really want to get involved in this world the way things work here the way um the physics of of this world and what these characters are um what everybody's going through and and how they're dealing with um actions have consequences and 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 i i want to find out why if something that happens in the first half of this issue. Um, I want to see some revenge getting taken on, uh, on, on maybe a character or two, but yeah, I, um, I really, really was quite happy with, um, with this first issue. I will, um, happily be back for the second. So in your travels, if you haven't, uh, by all means, get yourself to the shop or uh, see if DCBS still has the first issue of uh, Tartarus. Sure looks great. I didn't read it yet, but it it looks wonderful. Yep. Before we go, I have a thank you. So do I. Yeah. Uh, Our buddy Rod. Yes, indeed. And it's like Madonna and or Beyonce. It's It's just just Rod. It's just Rod. Yeah. Went to Galley this year, which is the... uh, the yearly uh, Doctor Who gathering, uh, and sent me figure number 82, which is a vervoid from T- Terror of the Vervoids, which occurred in the Colin uh, Baker run. So the, the Sixth Doctor uh, was an episode in there, and it's pretty freaking weird. Like it is. He's a weird-looking dude. They They did something with the figure that made the the uh, strange design uh, that we saw in the episode, like even better, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, It's icky, creepy. Like he knows me. So uh, I got to thank Rod for that. It's it's right on my desk next to James Groman, bat beast. Oh, nice. Yeah. How's that look in person? Oh, it's massive. 
Yeah, it's it's ridiculous for sixty five bucks yeah. uh, list price. It's it's definitely the biggest one of the four. The Killer Croc is the next largest, but um, it doesn't. Croc is great, but it doesn't have the presence like the wingspan on the Bat Beast is just mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, that's awesome. But thank you. Uh, yeah, he he uh, he went above and beyond for me. He. Um, I uh, have uh, Eagle Moss uh, figure number 79, which is Robot Mummy from Pyramid of Mars. And this Stop. Is, uh, this is from the Tom Baker era, the fourth Doctor. Um, this look, and, and you know, and I, I have the, um, the, the Cyberman he sent uh, from uh, the moon base that he sent us. And, and, um, this is going to go right next to it, but this mummy has some... I love the design of it. I love the chest, and, and it's just... Um, there's... I like the weight to it. It's, But it looks freaky, and uh, it reminds me that I need to check out some of the classic who I don't... I, I haven't watched... I mean, I've seen Tom Baker episodes here and there, especially thanks to, to PBS over the years, but Stop. I've never... I've never watched... I've never like picked a doctor and watched their adventures straight through um wow so yeah so that's 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 something i would like to uh devote some time to one of these years but uh Mm. well if you want to see the best that ever was just go to the previous doctor and watch all the john pertwee ones okay yeah i'll start with three everybody Uh, loves tom baker but sure i I think think he's probably the most recognizable yeah and and he's i think he was the most uh, mainstream friendly actor out of okay. all of them. He, yeah, you know, he I was quirky, but, uh, but Pertwee's run is just creepy as hell. Okay. Yeah. I'll look that up. Uh, Rod also went to Ollie's and I had never heard of this, um, from Lance Parkin. It is, uh, it is an unauthorized, Autobiography, The Impossible Has Happened, The Life and Work of Gene Roddenberry, creator of Star Trek. Look at that. Um, yeah, it, so it's going to uh, talk about Gene's life as a um, as a police officer uh, and then some going up to um, the creation of, of Star Trek. I know that um, – I know a little bit about Gene's life prior to um, – to Star Trek, but not uh, not a whole lot. So this this will be an interesting read. I also want to thank Mr. Jim Whiting, forty third issue of Margo Intergalactic Trash Collector. So now I Same. will sit and read all three, and um, and he'll know why, and some of the slackers will know why. I'm not going to um, go into detail. I just definitely want to thank huge hearty thank you to neil um for the uh the wonderful package that arrived today there's a couple of us on the slack who uh all benefited from um his generosity and um that's all i'm gonna say about that for now nice all right buddies thank you for being here with us one more time if you would like to experience 11 o'clock comics outside of the audio realm go to the facebook and twitter and instagram and reddit and if you would uh be so kind check out our patreon page patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics 
weird things are happening with the Slack. The Slack is growing beyond the Slack. Like very, very, very soon. We're oh. go- what? We didn't mention the book of the month. We will. Okay. Uh, very soon we are going to embark on a Blackstone Fortress campaign. Yes. People from the Slack are now playing tabletop games on Discord. Yes. It's awesome. Yes. So uh, if you know you want to experience some of that, check out the page. Uh, DAP is now going to tell you what the 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 uh, choices for next month's book for this month's this month's the, yeah this month's book of the month. Yes, uh, there's two days left to vote. Uh, well, when you hear this, you you have until Saturday evening to make your vote to change your vote. Um, but our March book of the month after um, there wasn't a lot of back and forth this time around. I. I um, just threw a bunch of options out there, and and they uh, we we whittled it down. Your choices this month include Brad Pack, Elric Volume Three, The Dreaming City from the Michael Moorcock mm-hmm. Library, uh, Flaming Carrot Omnibus, Global Frequency, Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files Number Five for Ian, Marvel Graphic Novel Number Twenty Nine, The Hulk and the Thing, The Big Change. Milk and Cheese, Dairy Products Gone Bad, Miss Tree, Volume 1, Planetary, Volume 2, The Fourth Man, Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, Volume 1, and Superman, Infinite City. Tough choices. I would not mind reading any of these. I would not mind rereading those that I've read before, but I would really enjoy any of these for the first time. Yeah. When I see the the uh, uh, Ellis stuff, I'm like, mm, I read those. But yeah, have- you have to admit, they would be very good conversation instigators. So that's good, right? So I was like, okay, you know, well, David loves them, whatever. Yes. yes you do. Yes, you do does. love them. I, I Global Frequency is I, – I think Global Frequency would also be um, – Timely and topical, especially with some of the some of these stories. Not every issue. Some of it is does. They all lean towards Warren's affinity for the science fiction and and right. science fact. Um, but some of them could feel right at home in this day and age. Uh, planetary. We all. I mean, it's a series we all love. I really enjoyed us going down the uh, page by page of the first volume. This would be the only follow-up um, that we've done. And I'd like to at least, I'd like to eventually get to it because I'd like us to read. I'd like, I'd like the planetary to make it as a book of the month in its entirety until we finish the entire um, series. And obviously that's at, um, the patron's discretion so right i'm just hoping something lighter wins i don't want to get too heavy well it does i mean in the lead i will tell everybody that uh in the lead are the comedic options nice i just want to see jason squirm that's all (laughs) 
He said he enjoyed Brat Pack, but I don't know how much credence I can put into that. That's true. He may be just glad-handing me. I mean, if you're going to talk Veach, it's got to be reverence. It's got to be on your knees, Hosanna at the altar of Veach, because the man is a colossal talent. I don't think Jason feels that way yet after reading just Brat Pack. But little little steps, right? At, at least it's a start. It's a start. Oh, it well, is. Yeah, I, I just I want something. Well, I'm not going to influence anything. Vote the way you want, people, and we'll wherever the the uh, the cards fall, we'll pick them up and run with them. Tis true. Yeah. So all those thank yous. We love you so much. Um, not to be Geppetto, to. Daps Pinocchio. I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I don't think that he would contradict what I'm about to say. Um, we need you to be safe. We need you to be healthy. So, take precautions, people. We love you so much that we, you know, it, we're in unknown territory. So do what you can. Um, we need to ensure that you and yours, all of yours, are uh, come out of this unscathed. So do what you gotta. We love you all. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we will be back next time. Do the thing. Say goodnight. <laughs> David. Huh. Right. I'm not doing it again. See? Why you get it? Because now All right. I gotta have it in my head. It's not it's not gonna be the same. It's good. David. You're timing it. You dirty bastard, you have to be timing it. Yeah, because I got a big ass stopwatch no you got apple watch on your wrist you can set you know time by the time i gotta i I push all the buttons oh come on jordy you're doing it i'm not doing it you're doing it not doing it i'm (laughs) looking at the frames i have on my wall i'm like that's the that's crooked that one's crooked oh boy yeah i'm a stickler for that too level (laughs) t-square damn it it. we have we have a photo uh, uh, an 11 by 17 framed photo of both Nina and Mia from their, their graduation photos. Mia's will not stay straight. I don't know what the hell it is. It's on the same kind of bracket as Nina's. It's the same kind of hardware on the back of the frame. Everything is the same. Mia's will not stay straight. Nina's is always rock solid straight. And I'm thinking... Isn't that a metaphor? Damn. That is. <laughs> we love you people. And we'll see you next we'll we'll talk to you next time. Just Absolutely. Get your asses back here too sweet. Yes. Bye. Lady y'all. <laughs>